And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to a late night edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Marcus Thompson in the live room. Um, you know, it, it this was not the Warriors' worst loss of the season. Um, there's been there's been some really bad performances. There, you know, you go two nights earlier against the Pacers. Like that's a I would categorize that as a worst loss considering you had all your players and the Pacers didn't. But this is probably the most heartbreaking, maybe toughest for them to absorb, considering what a win and how how the game went, what a win would have meant. And we'll get to a lot of the bright spots of the night. Um, but the last 10 seconds, two of their core players make really bad mistakes. Clay Thompson floats off Malik Beasley, who, by the way, has made the fifth most threes in the uh, league this season, just, just kind of wanders off him. Doesn't even go to rim protect against Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Just goes to, like, almost watch a layup. Kicks it to Beasley. He hits a big three. And then, obviously, Poole, uh, in the last moment, doesn't protect the ball. Steal, layup the other end. You give up a 5-0 run in the final 7.8 seconds to lose by one. Oh, how do you absorb that one? Yeah, I, I think the positives far outweigh the the negatives in this one. I mean, I understand it's it, it you know it's got to be frustrating to watch, and the win would have meant a lot. But I just expected them to lose to go in, <laughs> going in, so that they lost to me doesn't really change much. They almost scheduled this as a loss, right? Like, I mean. It's what made the Pacers' loss Yeah, I think really the Pacers' loss was worse, right? I, I think that was worse. Uh, I think any game you were at your, you know, three best players and you lose, to me, it's not that debilitating. I, I found it more encouraging that they figured out a way to be in this game. We saw this already, and they got blitzed the last time they did it in New Orleans. Uh, obviously, New Orleans is much better than the Jazz. But to me... Like this, this game. I walked away from this game saying, like, like the days of Kaminga not playing just, just be over. They're done. Like he's gonna play, and obviously he won't be this good all the time. By the way, I I feel like this is like the 18th time in his early career, including multiple times last season, where like that statement has been made, though, right? Yeah, but they the don't. Days have, they had other players before. They don't have them now. Like, you had an auto porter and BLE to lean on, right? You had other options. Now they just don't have any. So it, I don't understand why he wouldn't play at this point. They literally need the bodies. Uh, and, you know, Moody was really good, too. So, I mean, if they walk out of this knowing, all right, we got a guy, to me, that's better. That That's bigger than a loss. But obviously, the loss is, like, crazy. Like, they, they, they should have won that game. Uh, and the worst part is... That, like, I mean, I guess the great lessons, I guess Poole can still learn something from it. But, like, what is Clay learning at this point? 
<laughs> like it wasn't. You, know, you can't look and be like, oh, he's gonna learn from this. Or like, like he's been doing this for you. Yeah. Like he the last one who should have made that mistake on the court. You th- I mean, he was their most veteran player that was like available. Um, but that's Clay kind of right. I mean, I feel like he should be the one saying, reminding everybody, no, no threes. Right? I feel like he should be the one out there directing in that scenario. Like he's the one who's played the the close games in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, but, like Moody got beat because he was taking away the three like they were supposed to, and he was giving up the layup. And the only out that was there was the guy that Clay left, walked away from. Uh, you well, know, Dante I, was nearby because he was guarding his man at the three point line. <laughs> yeah, Lo- everybody was doing two. their job. Yeah, I guess in theory, yes, like the, you know, basically what, 10, 11 year veteran should be the one saying that but we kind of know who clay thompson is and that's not clay thompson and that's the thing clay thompson wasn't uh, you know if you rewatch the play that's not him being like oh that's a game plan mistake where you went to go um you know try to block a shot at the rim you shouldn't have helped he wasn't even helping he was just he watching he literally yeah. walked from the good position to a position where he's no value to watch the guy shoot the layup. Because Nikhil Alexander could have easily still made the layup. Like, Clay Thompson wasn't skying in. So, anyway, like, that to me, that was just it was just a, a brain fart. Or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Just a, kind of an airheaded moment, which happened with Clay Thompson. I mean, you know, it wasn't really a great game for him. He had, he had some jumpers, but overall, inefficient night. Um, he had another turnover, you know, late in the game that wasn't great. Uh, and then, you know, you pool, like... He's just and to gotta, be fair, like, like Draymond has yeah. cost him games with late game oh, yeah. blunders. Right? Remember like when Steph, Draymond? What was it? Two years ago, or it might have been last. In Charlotte, year, Dray- Charlotte. Draymond gets two T's in this yeah. type of situation to like hand the game to the Hornets. Um, Steph Curry against the Pacers last season left Justin Holiday in a very similar situation. Left, Justin, left, uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name from uh, Denver? Monte uh, Monte Moore, game yep. winner. Yeah, that's exactly right. On a, in a complete no three situation. So, yeah, you're right. This sometimes, I mean, this is you know, it, it is what it is. Um, pool, I think pools probably hurts a bit more because you know you give up three, you're still up one. You get the ball in pool's hands. He's a he is the best free throw shooter in the NBA last season. You know, he if he just grabs it, chests it, gets or a foul. Or if he just makes the one before that, they play in, in overtime. Well, that too. <laughs> but also, you know, he gets the foul. You make two. And only a three can even force overtime. So, all right, and all right, I'm gonna do it, Slater. I'm gonna do it. I don't even like doing it. I can't stand this, but I mean, at some point, a foul is a foul. Like, I don't think he gets blamed for a no call that he should have got. Like, you could say, "Hey, man, hold this tighter," but then it's a jump ball, and he's jumping against Olenek, right? Like, so, I mean, he's trying to do what he does to get out of the. I mean, to me, the issue was dribbling was going to the trap area. Like, that's always a mistake. Clay did the same thing right before. Got trapped, lost the ball. When you dribble to a trap area, I think he was trying to get out of the trap area, catch it and go. But the bottom line is he got fouled twice. And they didn't call it, and that's just – that's how it goes. You know, so I'll, I'm not that bad at your pool. Like, if they call the foul, we're not saying he did anything wrong. If they don't call the foul, like, they lose the game. To me, that feels more like you win some, you lose some. Kind of like the Kevin Hearn, right? <laughs> like – Hey, man, that's how it goes. So I don't really blame him for that. You know, like, he didn't do – like, you can't tell people to say, hey, man, you got to be prepared to get hacked. I mean, you do tell him that, but <laughs> it's just not – to me, it's not a, a blame when he gets fouled and there is no call. To me, the bigger blame was missing the free throw that would have put him up five, 
to make the make now that three is a two point game, and at best in that situation, it's a tie ball game, and you're going to overtime. To me, that was the bigger thing. That was on pool. The foul was more on the ref not calling the foul. Yeah, and again, I'm I'm not even I haven't even looked at a close enough view to know if if he got all ball or he might have hit some arm. But what's crazy is like in a situation like that where the referee knows the team wants to foul, right? If they don't get the steal, like they're they're they're, they're coming in in a pretty pretty risky situation, usually fine with a whistle. Um, that is almost always called like a hard chop. Always in that situation, always called. Yeah, I mean even like, if that you was get ball, he came around the other side, swung wildly. Like that's one of those situations you call a foul, and then you go to you let them use the challenge, <laughs> and if it's not a foul, you show it on replay. But it's ninety nine percent of the time a foul. But that wasn't even the one to me. The one is the ball gets knocked away. Olenek and Olenek just tackles him. Yeah, it's that when it's in a loose ball situation is a little you bit. You can't more. do that. It's just illegal. Like it's illegal. To, I mean, if he was going for the ball, I got it. He literally tackled him, so he couldn't get the ball. Like that, I mean, the ref is standing right there. I mean, like that's what happens when you don't secure the game. But that's like, you know, that's going to be on a two-minute report. Yeah. So, um, you know, it it, it it masks a lot of things. But, you know, Poole had a great game, by the way. Um, he had 21 in the first half. I can't remember exactly what he finished with. How about that floater he, he had? That, you know, basically left the screen at one point. He had some deep threes. He did – what I think we saw him do a couple times last season when they won game with Steph and Draymond sat and they won a few games. Like Poole was aggressive and productive. Yeah. It's what we hadn't really seen in the Pelicans games that they kind of punted. Uh, and that's why they, you know, I'd say he was probably reason number one that they were in position to steal this game away, like should have won this and game I, in Utah. And I think that's going to be, I think one thing we're seeing is he's getting to a point where he can really punish poor defenses. Right, the good ones give them problems, uh, but the bad ones, right? Especially if they leave him in ISO against a guy who, you know, is not that great on ISO. Like he can punish you, and to me, that's like the bare minimum of what he can do right now. If if he's in a situation where the other team is really good defensively, now you know he's got to use that leverage to draw toward him and and kick it so somebody else can cook, but. Like for the last few years, we've seen him like take advantage of rough defenses, you know, or people who are not together, right? Like he he can get by. We're starting to see him kind of find that rhythm again. Uh, like I like again, I don't know if it helps him against Boston, Milwaukee, but <laughs> they need Poole to start torching some teams and, and punishing them. Uh, and the interesting part was like he did it in a way with the ball in his hand, kind of running the show, and. uh and Clay on the court. So to me, that was the interesting part that he could still, like, even though Clay was taking quite a bit of shots, he was still able to kind of do his thing, uh, which, you know, I feel, I feel like that's cool getting kind of his confidence back. Yeah. Um, so I think we should talk Kaminga because it was 24, like, loud points, forceful points. It's one of, you know, his first two points of the game, he just skies for a defensive rebound around two people and just brings it down the court, drives it immediately into the lane. I don't remember who he was going against. It might have been Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but just, like, shoulders them off layup. And then 
it was just like that was a sign of what was to come. I mean, eight of his nine shots or his makes are inside the line. Pretty much all of them are at the rim except for one corner three, which, you know, they had left him and it was good. For, he hit it and he turned to the Utah bench. It was like, don't leave me. Um, but pretty much everything was where you want him to be at the rim. Late game buckets, you know, on the drive, good cutting dunks. Uh, he had a put back dunk that was insane. He had a post up. Um, where yeah, he just, I told that's what I said, man. Yeah. Where he just, yeah, again, I, I think this one might have been on either, I think it was Malik Beasley. He just like threw him into the stanchion and then just dunked on him. Um, that was, that was a lot. But the play of the night, Slater, you tweeted it out. Game on the line, proven score, ISO, and he clamped Jordan Clarkson. Like that, that and, was and nobody right? was more surprised than Jordan Clarkson and upset. About <laughs> he was, he's like, hold on, man, this dude is staying with me. Like his ability to just stay in front of his man in space on one of like the more shiftier dudes and still contested three. Like that was like the blueprint for what you'd expect from Kaminga defensively. This, that reminded me of last, remember they had thrown him at point, they threw him on DeRozan. Uh, and he, he's just really good at keeping a guy in front of you, but, you know, keeping that little bit of space so you can, you know, hit the angle and not get a blow by, but also contest because he's so athletic. That was a clutch defensive stop with no help behind him. It was just one-on-one, and Clarkson is a bucket getter. That was impressive. When you tweeted that, that's exactly what I was like, you know, that was that was the play of the night. So much that, you know, he lost his composure, even though that flagrant two was whack, but... Well, I think I think Clarkson doesn't get a flagrant two if at one point during the the weird you know normal if NBA back and up. forth he squared up <laughs> he was it was it was so weird it went from he was literally like looked like he was going like my bad my bad my bad, my bad. Yeah, it looked like you trying to hold him up and then suddenly like, he just went you know what, we're let's going. go <laughs> I was I was strange um, the knuckles were were oddly positioned too. <laughs> Elbows in, baby. Elbows I know. Uh, but, you know, it's the challenge, and look, this is a challenge we've discussed so much over the last couple of years, but becomes, you know, they're playing the Celtics on Saturday night. At this point, Wiggins is not going to be there, which we can get to how difficult a game that's going to be. But, you know, so Kim Mingat probably has a larger role just because Wiggins is not going to be there. But Steph and Draymond are going to be out there for, you know, 36 minutes each. Um, how does Kaminga stay this aggressive, stay this forceful offensively within an ecosystem that includes Steph and Draymond? You know, how does he not only do what he's been doing lately, which is, you know, he's guarding good players. He's going to guard Tatum. He's going to guard Brown, I'm sure, on Saturday on ABC. But also not just, you know, have those zero points, three points, whatever games where he's just out there like, I need to do everything Steve Kerr's telling me to do and not be aggressive offensively. Like, how does he mesh these together so you get what you get tonight with everything else while Steph and Draymond are still there? I mean, I think part of it is, you know, Kerr relaxing a bit <laughs> on the, you know, the, the the mistakes, you know, on like, like, just to get, give him a little bit of freedom. To me, as long as he's not, like, trying to create from, you know, 30 feet out or, like, taking too many threes because he's wide open, like, to me, he's fine. Uh, he just needs to be on the floor with somebody who can space the floor because 
he's really good when that lane is open. So if he if he just sees the the slash area, he's pretty good at it. So tonight because Poole and Clay were going, it felt like the, the floor was just wider and he could take advantage of that. To me, the minutes I'm probably giving them Jamichael Green minutes. Man, you know, <laughs> you could make an argument after tonight, like try Wiseman in the Jermichael Green minutes. And I, and I do kind of, it was five minutes, but I wouldn't mind talking Wiseman. Um, but yeah, Jermichael Green. I feel like struggling. Wiseman was supposed to play when they thought they were going to lose. <laughs> and then it was like, hold on now. Yeah, he didn't play in the second half. Who's forgiving, by the way, I forgive him like his five best minutes of the season in the first half. He didn't play in the second half. I thought that was a little curious because you're playing to Michael Green and he's not helping right now. Um, no, but you know how they go. Like, so without Wiggins, they're probably going to start like Pool, right? So it's Steph, Clay, Pool, uh, Draymond, Looney. And like, I mean, you, I, I'd listen to an argument where that's. Kaminga instead of Jordan Poole, but maybe on Saturday. Well, I wouldn't just say Saturday. Maybe the next two nights. What if you start him against Tatum and start him against Giannis the next? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and and that gives him like his purpose, right? Where it's like, yo, you just gotta, you just gotta guard. You know, only only issue is like he might get in the early foul trouble, and you kind of want him later. But to me, if you put him in a lineup. Where you you bring out Looney, put in Kaminga, and now like Draymond is the is the five, but you got you know you got these shooters on the floor that opens up the space. I mean Draymond would have to hold it down. It kind of depends on the lineup because to me the best way to, for Kaminga to play defense is on the ball right now. So that almost puts Clay at the four, which you know. It's probably better than him walking away from the three point shooter. But <laughs> but if 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 you got like like Kaminga giving himself juice and energy by guarding the ball out there, and then on the other end, you know, the floor space because he's on the floor with shooters, you got Draymond passing, like he like those slasher lanes are open. And man, and it's not like for twelve minutes, right? It's like, you know, you pull Looney at the six minute mark. You know what I'm saying? You give him four or five minutes there where he's with Steph and them, you know, and you, and you do it again, you know, like it's, you know, uh, third quarter, right? Then you find him some, then you plan him obviously with that second unit in the second and third quarters. But to me, like he needs those minutes with shooters on the floor because he can take advantage of those slashing opportunities or one on one opportunities. You can even post them in that scenario. Uh, to me, that that's how you do it. That's how you get it to him. But it begins with the defensive assignment. I feel like if he's got one, like kind of sink your teeth into it, like a bulldog, it'll help him kind of develop the juice, you know. And then he starts getting all the praise, right? Like they start patting him on, and he responds to that. And they're like, "Yeah, man, good, good, deep, good job." You can hear them yelling. He likes that stuff. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, I want to talk about three other players from the game tonight. Um, Moses Moody, you mentioned, he was like closing, you know, or at least he was in for a chunk of the important moments of the fourth quarter. And got that pass. At the end, yeah, like, yeah, he oh, he was right there from getting that. He get a deflection right there. They win the game. Um, and he hit two huge threes. And I, I mean, part of the reason he's not been able to grasp playing time has been um, an inability to do some of the stuff consistently that they want him to do. I mean, obviously, he's he can be a little sloppy and overly aggressive offensively, turnover prone, as we know. He. Lucky he didn't get called for a travel in an important situation tonight where he caught and his feet were kind of scattery, but they didn't call it. Um, he is not defensively on the perimeter. He's getting blown by a bit more than you'd like. I actually thought it was, this was one of his better defensive games, but that's overall been a problem. The one thing I would say about him, and you saw it again tonight, if he's rising up for an open three at any moment in time, it, it could be first quarter you know, of, of the third regular season game, it can be fourth quarter tonight with you feel like the game's on the line. If he makes it, they're in it. If he doesn't, they're not. Or it can be the West Finals against the Dallas Mavericks as a rookie. Like, you feel good about him shooting the three. Like, his like three fresh off the bench or been in the yeah. game a while, right? Either way. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not saying he's a 46%, like, absolute sniper. You know, he's probably in his career going to live. My guess would be 38, 39. But he is unfazed. The form looks great. And he's just confident in it. It's just like when he's rising up for any type of three at this point of his career, I'm like, I think it's going in. And that's a pretty important thing. Yeah, his problem is Dante DiVincenzo, though. Like That's I the mean, next the, guy the mistakes, I want to talk to. Yeah, the mistakes that he's making are like the negatives he brings that you're talking about are the positives for Dante DiVincenzo. So... Like, it feels like that's his kind of window to get minutes. He's not really in that Wiggins window. He's in that Dante window, you know. Well, it's like, yeah, whereas you're looking at Wiseman, like, dude, you can't beat out Jermichael Green, where you're looking at Moody, like, okay, I, I understand why you can't beat out Dante. Yeah, you can't beat out Dante. Yeah. Exactly. Especially because what they what they really want from Moody, like, Dante is bringing it, man. Like, that kind of pressure, that constant hustle and effort, like, and the 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 he doesn't make he doesn't make a lot of mistakes defensively, and he's hard to get around. Like you can get around him, but you gotta you gotta get around him. Like he's there and he's following, he's trailing. I mean, he, I mean he's been he's just been really good. Like you gotta have him on the floor. Like even the other veterans are like he's got to be on the floor. Like he he's a winner. He makes winning plays. To me, that's Moody's biggest issue right now is that he's essentially been put behind Dante on the depth chart. And there's just, it's tough because Dante is, you know, behind like Clay, <laughs> right? Or whatever guard pick one, Steph. Uh, and so that, that automatically makes him third string where you would think generally he's behind Wiggins and then Kaminga's behind Draymond, but that, that's just not working out like that. And maybe with Wiggins being out, like that's a chance to get him some some minutes there but like to me this is just proof positive that these dudes just need to be able to play and play without the fear 
that sometimes like hampers their game. And maybe that's something they just got to learn as young players. So like no matter if it's seven minutes, I still got to be able to play with the same kind of freedom and calmness as if I don't think I'm coming out. But they just, you know, you could tell like when they know they're going to play, they just kind of have like a freedom about them. Kaminga for sure. Kaminga for sure, right? Like he's a different player when he know. Oh, you ain't got nobody behind me. All right, I'm good. So like Moody, Moody, are you right? Moody is better at like just kind of playing the way he wants to play, no matter how many minutes he gets. But I just feel like their answer is minutes. And you've been saying this since October of 2021. Like get those dudes minutes. Why? <laughs> Why are they not playing preseason games? But it just feels like the answer is minutes. So. Uh, yeah, and, but but I do think it's good that he's got to earn them. Like, hey man, you see Dante? Watch Dante. You do what Dante do. You get on the court. Like that's that's not the worst thing for Moody. Yeah. So Dante was the second guy I wanted to talk about. Uh, I thought this was maybe his best game uh, this season. He had, I, you know, I at one point I don't know if this is what he finished with, but I believe it was like nine rebounds, seven assists, three steals at least. You know, he was like jumping, passing lanes, and um, you kind of already laid out all of what he's doing, but uh, I just, I thought he was like a major reason that they almost won this game. Tonight. No question. He feel like, like he can, you know, the, the his ability to kind of impact the game, like as that, you know, GP2 kind of on ball defender or as like the poised point guard. I mean, this is proven to be incredibly valuable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they can, like he he can calm a situation down. And once he, you know, I think he made what one three tonight. I think once his shots start falling, it, you know, if it starts falling at the clip like from Milwaukee, but that is a big question. It. You know, this isn't. You know, if you yeah. look at we we mentioned all the stuff that Divincenzo does that Moody isn't right now. Moody's three is a lot more sure than Divincenzo's yeah. three is. The crazy part is it and, looks good, Divincenzo. It just yeah, it just goes it, in at like thirty three, you know. I mean. Yeah, right. It just doesn't drop at that rate, but it don't look bad. And when you know, he he's one of the people. It's either all net or he ain't making it. Like he don't get no rattle or anything. <laughs> I feel like it's he he drills it perfectly, or he doesn't make it. But to me, like he he gives you two things that they need, and the third thing, if he finds a shot. He's almost like the perfect, perfect like backcourt player to come in with them. But the but the shots got to come around. Like you know, I think when one year in Milwaukee, I didn't shoot like thirty eight percent. If he ever get anywhere up there, yeah, you know, he's gonna be ideal. He's gonna be ideal. Yeah, his he's, catch. He, and, and they comfortable with him too. That's the thing. Like you know, the the, the superstars have a way of like letting you know. Who can rock with them and who can't? You know, you know who like they, they know just who like Dante. Steph really likes him. Uh, Divincenzo. Oh, yeah, Steph yeah. really likes Divincenzo. Uh, you know, and he's made that Love clear. Dante. You know, you can see it on the court, Steph but loves off Dante. the court too. You can tell he likes him. Um, yeah, Steph loves yeah. Dante. I think uh, very much. Last one I wanted to talk about. Why? You know, why he reappears? You know, I think it was. Well, like 16, 17, 18 days, something like that. Seven games, I know, down in the G League. Um, and you know, you talk to people behind the scenes, and there was definitely like, hey, we don't want to bring him up and back, up and back. It wanted to be like one long stint. Once he's back, he's back for good. You kind of get the feeling that they might send him back like literally 
like this week to you know I this think was that, like the aberration huh <laughs> yeah because I think they just you know came to the conclusion that they weren't going to bring Steph Draymond and Wiggins and and particularly the Draymond absence opened the door for for Wiseman to come and maybe even get some minutes in Utah so they brought him to Utah so they I guess they've kind of backed off the whole back and forth plan um, but you know he's in like. I thought his, uh, five minutes at least showed you, hey, you know, he's he's making incremental improvements. Like the Santa Cruz time is helping him. Uh, he he wasn't perfect, but he had a really nice seal catch dunk. He had uh, a couple traffic rebounds, including an offensive rebound and a kick out to Lamb. Lamb missed the three, but it was a nice play. Um, Kelly Olynyk had this weird drive at him where like Wiseman's presence kind of spooked Kelly Olynyk into like a really bad layup and he got the rebound from it. Um, and it was like, it was this like small moment of defensive uh, impact that you, you, you haven't been seeing from Wiseman where you're like, all right, Hey, you scared somebody on the drive. Um, he still had got scored. Veteran on the, uh, too, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know. Although Kylie Olenek's a weird player, but uh, again, it was do five you, minutes. Do you think, think they were minus means, three? Do you think, do you think this means, like there, like there's a plan to bring him back sooner than they might have thought. Well, Steve, Whereas, per like, even this was, you know, Steve even a today has a long G League run. Well, Steve even today made it clear, like, look, if he's not going to be in the rotation on a nightly basis, it's better for him to be getting, you know, 28, 30 minutes in the G League, which I think Wiseman agrees with too. You know, Wiseman wants to like play 28 minutes. Now he'd prefer to be playing 28 minutes for the NBA team, but if he's not, and it's pretty clear he's not going to right now, and I wouldn't advise it. I don't think any of us would advise that he's suddenly like a major part of the rotation. Uh, even if you're like, hey, you're going to nudge him into Michael Green's minutes and give him like, you know, tonight he gets five. Like, let's say he was getting five to 10 minutes for the Warriors. Is that really better than him getting? 28 in, in much more freedom with the Santa Cruz. I don't think it is considering what he needs. And I thought this was an example tonight of why Santa Cruz helps. Like I thought he looked more confident and better than he did the last time we saw him with the Warriors, which would mean he's growing a little bit, even if it's, you know, in a small way down in Santa Cruz. Um, I don't want to make any grand proclamations off five minutes. It's just, you know, it was, it's better than him, you know, playing poorly in those five minutes. So I'm I'm curious if like maybe they said, all right, we're gonna keep him down there to the all star break, right? <laughs> see see where we are. Or maybe he plays the entire G League season and then we see where he is in March. Uh do you I I wonder if the the ability to kind of test him in this little situation or maybe throw him a little a bone is men saying, Hey man, this is working. Maybe maybe we can bring him back sooner than we thought. Cause I, I don't know if just watching tonight, like, I don't know that playing him 10 minutes in the NBA isn't like helpful for him. Like, I mean, I get the, I get the, but is it more helpful? A bunch of G. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think now, right now it's more helpful to be in the G league, but at some point in, you know, say, you know, Two more weeks, right? A month, whatever. You get to January. Now is it still beneficial, right? He's played a half a season. He's got 30 games under his belt or whatever it is. Now is the 10 minutes here at the league where you can turn it to 12 or 15. 
I don't know, maybe I'm still just kind of trying to figure out this universe where he's the backup center because I already said it on a previous box. But I, I think I wondered I, if this if it if this means it's a little bit more possible than it might have been when he went down. Yeah, I, I think I think it's possible for him to rediscover enough form to take Jermichael Green's minutes. I think you saw it opening night against the Lakers. I think you saw it in preseason against the Wizards. I think he spiraled a little bit after that, but I think he can prove himself capable of being their backup center. The one thing I would not do is reinsert him into the rotation at an unsettled time when you're 13 and 13 right now. You're about to play the Celtics at home on Saturday. Then you're going on a road trip, six gamer with a bunch of back to backs and you're starting off in Milwaukee. Like you don't want to, that's how you get him back in the spiral, right? You know, you, I mean, he started his career in Milwaukee. Why not just, you know what I'm saying? Full circle. As a starter, put him in the lineup. <laughs> oh, my. Um, you just don't want him to, like, let's say the Warriors get blown out Saturday against the Celtics, and even though he plays nine minutes, they're a minus eight in those nine minutes, and that's the postgame story. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think you want that, especially when it's like, hey, how yeah, about he's now. just, like, playing? Not now. I just wonder. Yeah. Eventually. I mean, I look, there's some there's some thought that he probably would never come back after. Right? Like there was a when he left, it was like, will he ever come back and play for the Warriors? So it just feels like there's potential to make progress and I think you've seen a I little bit like they need bodies. I think you've seen they just need bodies, man. It's it's <laughs> At some point he's a got a heartbeat. So it's not it's not where his career anybody wanted or predicted it to be, you know, within the Warriors. But, like, to me, he he made progress in his two weeks away with with Santa Cruz. Um, I thought his last G League game was actually pretty good. I watched, um, you know, the fourth quarter, and he was, like, good in it, you know, compared to earlier in the week when Nemes Kita, like, Dropped thirty eight and eighteen on him or whatever. So what? Sometimes somebody got to cook you, man. You got to get cooked. That's what you missed out on, getting cooked. Learn them lessons. That's what happens when you don't play for two years. <laughs> You'll have them horror stories of getting lit up for 38. Yeah. All right. Celtics Saturday, no Andrew Wiggins, which oof, that is going to be a major problem. Um, why, why would they need Andrew Wiggins? Does the Celtics have a lot of wings or something? Uh, the Celtics were up 40 in Phoenix at <laughs> one point. They were destroying Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. And you uh, know what? They're, they're probably going to be pretty motivated Saturday. Oh, you think? Yeah, this is going to be a message. ABC Saturday night? That's going to be a tough game, man. It's a tough game mostly, especially – forget the defense, right? We obviously know Boston's defense is tough. Their offense is so potent. It's, it's historic so right now. Yeah, like <laughs> against a team that is, that just hasn't been able to consistently play good defense yet this season. Like they just from the looks of it right now, they are they are toast against that offense. Like I don't know how they'll be able to score to keep up with uh that that level of offense and their best perimeter defenders not playing. So it just feels like it's gonna be a rough night for their defense. And maybe, you know, we've seen we've seen, you know, what getting hot from three can do. We've seen what Steph can do. So, you know, there is a universe where it's like a 130, 130 type game. 
but I just don't think they'll be able to stop Boston from scoring, which means they got to bring it offensively. And this is the toughest team in the league to, yeah, yes, not, not maybe not you currently the defense. because the toughest team to, to score against in the league currently is who they're playing to start the road trip on Tuesday. But, you know, like Draymond has talked about it. Like this is a really difficult team for Draymond to play with the like, now no Robert Williams. That's huge. But, you know, we don't need to get into a preview of the game. Um, Celtics going to be favored, <laughs> clearly, in this game, especially without Wiggins. But, you and know, they this... have yet to lose to a Western Conference team. Undefeated. Interesting. Undefeated against the West. I mean, because they get buckets, it's hard. Like, you come west, and you're supposed to be facing these, you know, offensive juggernauts, but they are the juggernauts. <laughs> it's not that East Coast ball tight defense coming in anymore. Nah, this is a high potent offense that make a lot of threes. Yeah. All right. Well, we will talk to you Saturday night. Uh, let's do a post game pod Saturday night. Let's commit to I, you one. You think they're gonna want this? They already talking about the only pod after losses. Well, let's maybe, just maybe we should it, wait till after the Milwaukee game when they win. Okay. <laughs> All right, we will talk to you at some point in the near future. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.